One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Oh, hello, the world. This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I am Courtney Eck, E-C-K. <laughs> and I am Sadie Eck, also E-C-K. Our, we share a last name because yep. we're sisters. We have the same last name and it is spelled E-C-K and it is pronounced Eck. We keep very, uh, this is sweet. It's very sweet that yeah, we so keep sweet. thinking that we are calling ourselves like Zodiac, like Courtney Eck and Sadie. No, <laughs> it is actually our last name. We've got a couple of messages. Lately, like I thought, that's what. Nope, nope. Sadie nope, and nope. Courtney Eck. This is they will kill. Did you already say that? I, I don't, don't remember. This is they will kill. It is a true crime podcast, and it is Sadie's day to tell us t- the second half of the terrible tale. Yes, this is the remarkable survival story of Ina Bennett and the terrible actions of the Motomole monster Johann Kotz. Ugh, fuck that I know, guy. this guy, man, this guy. <sighs> oh, so in part one, we talked about the incredible survival story of Ina Bonet and the cruel and tragic murder of her 19-year-old son, Conrad. So go back and listen to episode 189, if you haven't already. So after gang raping and torturing Ina and killing her son, Conrad, Yoen Kotz went on the run. The story of what happened spread quickly, and Johan was dubbed the Motomole monster by the community. Oh, and again, I just want to give another thank you to Sarah, who is one of our listeners in South Africa who put the story together. I have emailed her on and off as I go through and, and edit and add to the story. She has just been so incredibly helpful and did a really good job researching and writing the story. So thank you, Sarah. We... Really, Thank really you appreciate it. So much. So much for that. Yeah. So Ina told authorities what happened to her and was sure to tell them that Yoan had three accomplices who helped with his diabolical plan. Police missed a big break in the case when those men went to the police in a Mm-mm. town near Motomol a few days after Conrad was murdered. What? Mm-hmm. They didn't go to report the attack or give evidence or to turn themselves in. Instead, they decided it would be a really good idea to report that Johan had not paid them the 300 South oh African rand, which is about $15 oh each that he owed them for the day's, in quotes, work. I'm going to throw up. 
if that is can you believe not that a real illustration of the mindset of these men right in this country at this yes. time oh yes. my heavenly god for $15 they decided mm-hmm. to go to the police and complain mm-hmm. because they didn't get paid for gang raping and and being a part of a murder i cannot i can't no no there's nothing Mm-mm. So the police told them there was nothing they could do and suggested that they take it to small claims court. They did as they were told and went to court the next day. Oh Sarah God. included here in quotes, or in parentheses, insert head exploding emoji. I agree with you, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> like, so what? much exploding. Right? So the first to be arrested was Andres Sithole. Authorities were able to connect him to Johan by studying Johan's phone records. During a search of the house, they found a box of uh, for a burner phone. And in South Africa, it's required to register all mobile phones. But Yoan hadn't done this. Luckily, the box gave them the serial number of the phone, allowing them to request the records. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So these showed that Yoan had exchanged more than 40 calls with Sithole in the two weeks leading up to the attack. When they brought Sithole in for questioning, he told them what happened and gave up the other two men who participated in the gang rape of Ina. These men were Pita, Molaine, and Franz Mimpaka. He explained that he had been the one who recruited them to help Johan. And Sarah also mentions here, and I thought it was funny, that she wants to acknowledge the work of the police. She thought it would... She said, I would have thought that law enforcement was just a horse in a corn cob. <laughs> she yes. clearly knows our, hum- our humor. Well, remember they old, really corn, seemed- old corn cob sheriff. Yes. The corn cob with the googly eyes from right. that horrible right? spirit family murder, I think it was. Yes, it was. Yep. So she thought that, that Florida and Motomol have the same law enforcement police force. system. Mm-hmm. Recruitment. Like sister. Recruitment system. Yep, exactly. So I gotta go pick another sheriff. Man, sheriff is getting bull weevils. I gotta go pick another sheriff. Bull weevils. <laughs> Japanese <laughs> beetles got in our sheriff crop again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I have a little cold, and I'm fine until I laugh, and then I cough. So, so in the meantime, police officers, sniffer dogs, and helicopters were scouring the area for Johan. They believed it was likely he left the area but they did a thorough search for him and Motobol to be sure. An SMS campaign was used to distribute Johan's photograph and vehicle description to all cell phones in the area. Sithole told them that Johan had fled back to Nambia, which is a neighboring country where Johan was born, which they started to believe. They also considered that he may have illegally crossed the border into Zimbabwe, which is another neighboring country with very porous borders. But Johan was finally apprehended on January 10th, 2012, when Sarinda Dupreeze was driving around Motomol trying to get her two young sons to fall asleep. Oh my God. As she was driving, she spotted Johan walking out of a shop heading to his baki, which is another word for truck. Johan caught her eye because he looked disheveled after living in his car for more than a week. Sarinda later said, quote, I was scared to death when I saw him. I couldn't believe that I was right in front of him. <laughs> he looked to me like the devil. I was terrified. Oh, boy. God. Yeah. Despite her fear, Sarinda positioned her car so she could see his license plate, which confirmed the man she spotted really was Yoan. Sarinda was on the phone with her mother-in-law at the time and told her what she saw. 
She then proceeded to phone a number of other people to tell them the news while driving to the home of a local policewoman. That would be me. That would be me. Totally. Could you imagine, like, texting our group chats or whatever, like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I think I just caught a killer. Caught this fucking psychopathic rapist killer. Right? Swear to God, you guys. It's right right (laughs) in front of me. Unfortunately, by the time police got to the shop, Johan was gone, but now they knew he was still in the area and the search for him intensified. Surprisingly, it was Sorinda's husband who was the one to find Johan's truck for scouring the back roads of Motomol. God, these two are just like a power couple. They're like, right? This is the Getting job our kids we were to born sleep. to do. Find the killer. Go, go, go. Honestly. Yeah, I'm very much like Ryan and I every day. <laughs> Yeah. It was clear that he had crashed the vehicle while racing away from the shop where he had been spotted and fled on foot. The police found his camp nearby, which was strewn with newspaper articles about the crimes. The next morning, Johan walked into the dental laboratory of his friend and landlord, Dirk van der Meer. It was Dirk's wife, Vivian, that Johan had called after killing Conrad. Mm. And it was Vivian who had discovered an untidy Dirk recalled, quote, I was busy in my laboratory. To my left, I just caught a glimpse of someone standing there and I saw him and I got a big fright. At first, I couldn't talk to him. Later, all I could say was, quote, come and sit. But I was scared. My hands went numb. Mm. Like, I think I might pass out. Yeah, I would pass out. Yes, I'm about to pass out right now. And I'm nowhere near this fucking psychopath. Mm, No. He offered Johan a cup of coffee and called the police. Johan was arrested at his friend's laboratory. On January 13th, 2012, 10 days after the attack, Ina laid her 19-year-old son Conrad to rest at a cemetery in Bella Bella. Ina sat at the church while her son's funeral service went ahead, barely able to contain her grief at the loss of the teenager. Mm-mm. While Ina and her family sang hymns and mourned Conrad's passing at the funeral, an angry crowd gathered outside the courthouse as Johan and Sithole appeared in court for the first time. So it just ha- so happened to be on the same day. Unbelievable. Police were so concerned about the possibility of a vigilante attack on Johan that they moved him from Motomole to be held in Bella Bella, the same town where the funeral was being held. Oh my God. That. No. <sighs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Quote, the community are very angry. This is why we are demonstrating here. We wanted to kill him. Unfortunately, the police protected him. He is a monster. Johan did not request bail, and I assume it's because he also feared being killed if he was released. Mm. Hmm? So Johan Kotz was born in Nambia, which was then known as Southwest Africa, in 1961. Nambia has a long and troubled history of being colonized and ruled by multiple countries and governments before finally gaining independence in 1990 after decades of fighting a terrible war in order to gain the liberation. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but Nambia and South Africa were also in apartheid from 1948 to 1990. It's so crazy. It was all Johan knew as a child and a young man. For those who may not know, apartheid was a system of institutionalized racial segregation brought on by the nation's dominant minority white population, which gained control of the political system. So in the area, it's predominantly black, right? But the white colonizers came in, took over, and then really fucked everything up. And they were like the kind of extreme religious white 
colonizers mm-hmm. too, right? They're mm-hmm. Afrikaans, like the mm-hmm. Dutch reform. Are they Dutch? Mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah, probably. They went to Grand Rapids, Michigan, and South Africa. Right. So during apartheid, white citizens had the highest status, followed by Indians and people of color, with black Africans at the lowest social tier. The ramifications of the laws put in place during this time were huge and still linger today. Mm-hmm. It was illegal to marry across racial lines, and where people were allowed to live and work was determined by racial classification. Between 1960 and 1983, 3.5 million Black Africans were moved from their homes and forced into segregated neighborhoods as a result of this legislation. And those relocated lost their South African citizenship as well. They were, they said like, oh, we just brought them back to their tribal lands. Like I'm using air quotes. Um, And so then now they're no longer citizens. Yeah, it's the Dutch. It's Dutch reformists, man. They are tricky. Mm -hmm. Betsy DeVos. Ugh, get out of Michigan and South Africa. So not only was Johan born into this turmoil, he was also born to unwed parents, which was a big no-no back in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. The stigma of being a bastard at the time, and quotes bastard, their words at the time was unavoidable and would be one of the things that shaped him into the man he became. So Johan's mother gave him up for adoption when he was born, but his adoptive mother died just three months later. Holy shit. I know. What? <laughs> I know, I know. He was then passed on to a neighbor who agreed to look after him. Ugh. Just some random neighbor? I don't know. I don't like it. I mean, again, this guy, baloney. Hate his guts. Sorry for his little child self. Yeah. Good Lord, though. Jesus. I mean, no excuse. No. Plenty of people get passed around to neighbors, but don't turn into, like, the actual worst person on the planet. Yeah. Good God, Yeah. That's rough. It's so rough. I, yeah, the the idea that a child, an actual human child, could just be passed around no more like a puppy, yeah, that needs a new home is really upsetting. <sighs> so after a while, his biological father—I don't know what his age was at the time—but his biological father took him in and married a much younger woman around mm. the same time. They would go on to have two daughters, which would be Johann's half sisters. The psychologist who testified for Johan's defense at trial would argue that because of his tumultuous start, Johan would struggle with the risk of rejection and have issues with trust, poor self-confidence, and low self-esteem. Once again, lots of people have trust issues, low self-confidence, and low self-esteem. <laughs> right. And don't gang don't. rape and murder no. children, yeah. teenagers. Yeah. Yes. Quote, he felt that his stepmother treated him well in front of his father, but he did not feel that she ever really accepted him. He also struggled to make peace with the fact that he was an adopted child who was given away by his actual biological mother. He was teased as a child about being adopted. He was called a whore kind, which translates to whore's child, which obviously caused internalization of the pain and rejection he felt. He also started to refer to himself as whore kind later on. Yeah. So at some point during Johan's childhood, his father moved the family to South Africa allegedly because of the liberation movement in Southwest Africa, which is now known as Nambia. By 1993, Johan, who by this time was in his early 30s, was living in the town of Priska and was working as the sheriff there. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. 
They're like, well, I couldn't find any uh, corn cobs, but I got this. <laughs> this guy. Bastard kind. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It'll work, this right? Guy. Mm-hmm. With low self-esteem. Ugh. So a sheriff in South Africa isn't the same as the ones we have in America. They're an officer of the court only and are responsible for serving documents like summons, warrants, notices, mm-hmm. and court orders. If a landlord is owed money by their tenants and obtains a court order against them for money owed, the sheriff will deliver the court order and either collect the payment or take property to cover the amount of debt. Sort of like a repo man. Right. But sort of like repo guys here, they can't arrest you. Right. They cannot take, they can't hold you against your will. And neither should sheriffs in South Africa. Got it. So the sheriff cannot be called out to investigate a crime, and it also sounds like they can't make arrests or detain people. You will not be surprised to hear that Johan was taking liberties with his role as sheriff. Mm-hmm. When he was sent to collect a debt from someone who owed a business money, Johan would instead collect the person who almost always lived in poverty and simply had no money to pay the loan. So he was arresting them without a warrant, which could also be called kidnapping. Yeah. And and then taking them to lawyers to negotiate a payment plan. <sighs> Negotiated in quotes, because it yeah. probably was not an actual negotiation. The experience for those unlucky enough to meet Johan was terrifying, and these negotiations were always unfair. Quote, Johan enjoyed terrorizing the town's black residents. People were terrified if he came into the community. They'd be asking, who is he coming to see? Who is he coming to take? And what is he going to do to the people? God, fuck this guy. I know. He smiled about it. He was that kind of person. Can you imagine? I cannot imagine. No. Just being terrorized by this guy. And who knows what he did to them. I mean, we, yeah. So in the early morning hours of November 5th, 1993, William Botha was the unlucky person that Johan was on the hunt for. William would later insist that he didn't have any unpaid debts and there was no reason for Johan to come looking for him. But when he saw Johan in his baki, as he was getting home from a night out, he was immediately afraid and took off running. Mm. He ran around the back of his mother's house and jumped over the fence. As he was running, he heard his mother, 64-year-old Bet Botha, come out of the house. Mm-mm. She called out to William saying, quote, don't run, stand still, don't run. This was followed by a gunshot. Oh my God. Quote, Bet Botha, dressed in her gown and threadbare nightclothes, did not die instantly. Mm. Several of her grandchildren watched in horror oh. as she writhed in agony from her gunshot wound. Oh my God. And then became more and more still. She would later succumb to her injuries in an ambulance. Jesus. So little information is available about Bet except that she was a respected member of the community with 11 children and many, many grandchildren. Not only would she care for her own family, but would be the one who would look after the other children in the community as well. Of course. Quote, life was difficult for the black residents in Prisca, but Bet was positive about her and her family's future in the town. She looked after everyone, all the children, whether they were hers or not. Mm. She was like a hen who protected her chickens. Unfortunately, her once united family was torn apart by her murder as William's siblings blamed him for her death. 
Beth's home, quote, once a place of unity to her family, has become a ramshackle symbol of its disintegration. Mm. Mm. So Yoan had been the one to shoot Bet and was charged with her murder, but was acquitted in March of 1994 due to, quote, contradictory witness evidence. <laughs> the 20,000 of her grandchildren mm-hmm. who watched her die mm-hmm. in her fucking yard. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the twenty thousand black black children people, yeah, uh, contradicted the one white guy who actually shot the woman. Oh my god! Quote: William Bothas says the court seemed all too eager to drop Johan's prosecution. Democratic elections were a month away, but in Priska, his status as a white Afrikaans man and a sheriff carried far more weight than the evidence that he had shot a defenseless black grandmother in front of her grandchildren. I just, uh, God. I can't believe this world exists sometimes. I know. I know. I know. I know. Where people are literally lower than, yep. like we would treat our animals better. Yep. And with more respect. Yep. I read, as I was going through this guy's awful life, I read it in a newspaper article that Yoan also killed a 60-year-old woman in 1990, but the details sounded really similar to mm. Bette's murder, mm. and I couldn't find any more about that alleged crime, and so I... I don't know if he killed another right. older woman or 50 years before or if it was just a mix up. But they had in that article, they listed the murder in 1990 and then they listed Bette's murder in 1993. Hmm. But I couldn't find any more details. So Well, no one will be surprised if he did it. So if there was another right. woman who just kind of yes. disappeared into the annals yes. of horrifying history. Yes. So information about Yoan's life between the years of 1994 and 2008 is sparse, but we know he had a daughter in ni- somewhere around 1996. She was 17 years old when her dad killed Conrad, who was 19 at the time. Jesus. So that's the one that he was planning a fishing trip with her right. as he was raping and torturing and killing Ina and Conrad. Oh. In 2008, Johan, who is now 47 years old, met 44-year-old Sarita Venter. Sarita hadn't had an easy life. In 1989, when she was only 24 years old, she found herself a single mother to three very young boys after her husband was in a terrible car accident while she was pregnant with her third child. He suffered a traumatic brain injury and was left blind and mentally disabled. Mm. Soon after the accident, a psychiatrist told Sarita that she should divorce her husband because she wouldn't be able to care for him as well as her three young children. Sarita did as she was told and remarried soon after. She would go on to have another child with her second husband, but he was extremely abusive to both her and her children, so she divorced him as well. Mm. By 2008, Sarita was a successful businesswoman and single mother to her four children who are now in their late teens and early 20s. So she overcame all that shit. How could cat? Somebody needs to catch a break in this story already. They're not gonna. I'm sorry, Courtney. They're not gonna. But she overcame all that bullshit. Her kids were about all grown. She made a name for herself on her own. She escaped one abusive relationship. And at 44 years old, she meets fucking Johan Mm. Kotz. Yeah. Quote, despite her difficult personal circumstances, Venter was a successful, highly intelligent and driven woman even being named a runner-up for the annual Bloemfontein Business Woman of the Year competition, which I love that they have. Yes. (laughs) That's so sweet. (laughs) I want to be the Business Woman of the Year in Bloemfontein, South Africa, please. She obtained a degree in labor law 
She lived for her four children. Sadly, Sarita started having health issues and was diagnosed with having a brain tumor. She needed to be on oxygen constantly and struggled to care for herself. Soon after her diagnosis, Sarita met Johan. You only get one bad thing. How many times do I have to Mm-mm. tell you, universe? I know. Get your right? shit together, universe. Everyone gets one bad thing, max. That's it. Or Done. no bad things. Right? You don't get Traumatic, bad things. brain injury, husband, yes. while pregnant, is enough. Yes. Done. That's all. No, we're good. Give, yeah. That's it. You gave her the lesson, the growth, of everything. Yep. Just leave her alone. Let her fucking mm-hmm. ha- be happy. Be businesswoman of the year, Blue Font, Bloom Fontaine. Right. Quote, Yoan presented himself as a romantic hero, a man who would help her as she struggled through hospital stays and depression. It was a whirlwind romance, and Sarita fell for Johan instantly. Mm. She was won over when he expressed his desire to look after her four children. And I can only imagine. Oh, are you kidding? Right? Like yes. she's scared. She has a brain tumor. Yes. She doesn't know what the future holds. And this guy comes in and promises her everything that she needs and will care for her kids. And You just need a yeah, reset. Thank you. Just need a fucking right. break. Oh, here. Yeah. I'll be happy to take on all this stuff while you yeah. just go relax and get better. Right. Take care of yourself. So Johan was living on a farm in Bloemfontein at the time and promised to look after Sarita. But in true Johan fashion, soon after they met, the emotional abuse started. Johan took advantage of Sarita's anxiety over her worsening health. Quote, it got to the point where she couldn't think for herself after that. He would criticize everything she did. Nothing she did was right according to him. Can I just... God. <laughs> yeah, there's just no words. This one has a brain tumor. He's abusing a woman with a brain tumor. A brain tumor. Yes. (laughs) Johan would degrade Sarita, even making fun of the oxygen tube she required in her nose. He would promise to visit her, but then wouldn't show up. Johan was able to convince Sarita to let him take over her finances. She gave him power of attorney over her family trust and gave him her bank card. Oh, my God. Johan promised he was investing her money by buying farmland and sheep but instead he was using the money to pay the bills on his own farm. Over the next few months, Yohan would steal 1 million South African rand, which is about $52,000, from Sarita's account before she was aware of what was happening. I mean, she has enough money for him to, like, she did so well. She did so well. And he's yep. fucking it all up. Yep. In her worst time. Yep. Like, God Lord, help me. After this, manipulation and control of her became even worse. Sarita's son later remembered, quote, one time he actually locked her in his house so that she would sign a contract after she gave him money. He used threats and violence a lot, too. At one point, Yoen convinced Sarita to go on a quad biking holiday, which honestly, yeah, like sign me up. Let's go quad biking in South Africa. Yes. I, I'm a little afraid of ATVs. I've only been on one oh, me too. and I made the worst, immediate worst decisions. Like, Right? Yeah. So Yeah, and this isn't an area without like lions. No. I don't want to go four-wheeling with lions. I do no. want to go to South Africa very, very, oh, very please. badly. Very badly. No. Yeah, I it's know. top of the me list. Too. Me too. Maybe, maybe Sarah will host us. Giraffe Airbnb. Giraffe. Let's do it. I don't think that I do want to go to the, I mean, I do, but it's like, I don't, I think the giraffe Airbnb is probably a little, 
busy. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? I feel like a lot of yeah. people, what I'm trying to say is like a, a lot of people maybe. want to go mm-hmm. to the giraffe Airbnb, like Ellen DeGeneres is there and stuff. So I don't know that I could yeah. afford it or if it's available anymore or if it's even mm-hmm. like a moral place, but I really, really want to go to the giraffe. I want Airbnb. giraffes to eat my muesli in the morning when I'm p- come through the window and eat my, eat, eat my breakfast. <laughs> I want that more than anything. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. (laughs) So unfortunately, Sarita didn't get to go to the giraffe Airbnb. (sighs) Just send her to the giraffe Airbnb. Fucking make a wish foundation. The woman had a brain tumor. You said she'd be like automatic entrance to giraffe Airbnb. So on the trip, Yoen convinced Sarita to remove her oxygen tube from her nose to take a quick photograph while she was sitting on a quad bike. Sarita didn't think anything of it at the time, but Yoan had a plan. He knew that Sarita's medical aid or health insurance was covering all of her medical treatments, but only on the condition that she used her oxygen tank at all times. When Sarita started demanding that Yoan return the money he had taken from her, he threatened to send the photo to her medical aid. He said this would show them she wasn't complying with their regulations and that they would end her medical coverage. It was on the same quad biking trip that Yoan asked friends to give him the phone number of wealthy divorced women. And one of his friends gave him Mina Bonet's number. Oh, my God. Shit you not. Uh, ah. Quad biking Fucking. and mentally abusing while lining up the next victim. Yeah. Of course Terrible. he is. I mean, nobody's surprised, but. Right, because he's about done. She's on. Sarita is on to him. He's taken the money he can get from her. Yoan began his relationship with Ina while still dating Sarita. When Sarita finally had enough and ended the relationship, Yoan did as he had threatened and sent the photographs to Sarita's medical aid. They cut off her payments, which she desperately needed to cover her treatments. They also demanded that she pay back what she had already pay- oh what they had already paid out to cover her treatments. Holy God. Good Lord help us all, Courtney. In November 2010, a month after Johan married Ina, Sarita died by suicide alone in her home. You've got to be kidding me. No. No. Fuck this. I know. Quote, the once successful businesswoman had dated Johan for several months, a relationship which left her financially and emotionally devastated. This is why... When torturing Ina just 14 months later, Johan would say, quote, when I leave a woman, she either ends up in an institution or she kills herself. In a diary entry shortly before she died, Sarita wrote, quote, today I realized that Johan owned me. He made me identityless. He made me dependent on him. He made me believe that I would be nothing if I left him. He regularly told my children and my friends that I was mad. He stole my humanity, laughter, trust for people, naivety, my good mother-child relationship. Mm. He left me penniless and lonely. He stole my identity, and I have to start over and ask myself, who or what am I? Mm. Oh, I'm Sarita. I'm so sorry. So sorry. Also, just like the amount of depression and anxiety that comes from being that sick. Yes. Alone could cause yes. you like so much anguish. Right. And then just well, to be like 
fucking wrong sin. It would be really hard to recover from that. Yes. Well, and to know? know that any money she's going to ever make will most likely go back to the insurance. Yep. Her kids will be left with nothing the yep. longer she stays alive. She doesn't also, have medical aid anymore. And so what, <laughs> like, it's just, I can only imagine what she no. was going through. Yep. And the fact that this asshole can live in the world and just willingly, knowingly, happily ruin people yep. in the uh, worst ways. Well, I was going to say, even just, even just knowing that he exists, just knowing yeah. that he exists would be enough to put me in a deep depression. I mean, it's yes. having encountered him and right. being targeted by him and watching him win. That's like mm-hmm. just so devastating. So had it not been for Johan, Sarita's life could have gone very differently despite her brain tumor. She had been obviously successful, had a loving family, and had good health insurance. One of her sons remembered, quote, basically everything she did, she did for us. She always tried to uplift you. She was the best mom I could have asked for. So there are allegations that Johan started relationships with and then stole money from up to eight other women before he married Ina. No doubt about it. There's no way that this was the beginning. Yeah. So the author of one of the books that we that Sarah used to write the story found five women who took Johan to court for a combined 1.3 million rand, which is about $67,000. Quote, while none claimed to have been romantically involved with Johan, it's apparent that they were charmed by his apparent kindness and promises that he could help them manage their finances. He even approached one of his alleged victims after she had been in a car accident and offered the shaken woman his help. Like all the other women he fleeced, he promised her high returns if she invested money with him, but he never paid out. So do you remember the five cell phones which Ina found in his yes. house with all the naked women that were harassing him, sexually harassing mm-hmm. him? Yep. Yes. So those were obviously, he was blackmailing them, duh. And remember when Ina and Angelique came home to find their house had been emptied of all the furniture and appliances? Yes. So Nicole Ingelbrecht of True Crime South Africa has wondered if this may have been because someone Johan owed money to had obtained a court order uh-huh. to have everything in his house seized. Uh-huh. Ooh, how the tides have turned, uh-huh. Mr. Sheriff. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, it wasn't his own shit. It was Ina's, so yep. keep back off. All right, we're almost there, guys. We got, we got through the terribleness of him. So starting in early 2012, Eno was put through a lengthy 18-month trial. Jesus. I Jesus. asked about this. Like, how is it possible it's 18 months long? And Sarah said that it wasn't a, an actual, like, 18 months worth of everyday trial. Yeah. Sort of like our system. You do hearings and whatnot, and you're in and out of court. But the actual trial was still seven months long. Wow. And they take two months off for the summer, but still, that is a very long time as a victim of a terrible, terrible crime mm-hmm. to have to be in court. So Ina testified for several days about her unbelievably awful ordeal and the murder of her son. All four defendants tried to downplay what they had done. Johan accused Ina of cheating on him and tried to blame his actions on her betrayal. Um, mm-hmm. no, mm no, that's not a good reason. There's no good reason to do what he did to them. No, but in that country that he's already gotten away with everything so far, and in this country too, not just that country, but 
fucking throw whatever at the wall, see if it right, sticks. See because what there's a good chance it's gonna. It's a good chance nope. you, that it's gonna work. People are gonna yep. be like, "Oh yeah, those women. Ooh, mm-hmm. really get you riled up." That's I get right. it. He also claimed that he hadn't meant to shoot Conrad and had no memory of what had happened to him. He said the gun, quote, just went off. Mm-hmm. When prosecutors pointed out that Ina said she heard three gunshots and that Conrad had been shot once in the knee and then once in the head, Yoen said he still didn't remember what happened. When they asked him if he had to reload the gun after every shot, Yoen said he did. That monster shot Conrad once in the knee, reloaded the gun, Mm -mm. and then shot him again, this time killing him. Johan's defense team had a psychologist testify that Johan suffered from a narcissistic personality disorder. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like a millionth degree. Yeah. Major depression and acute stress, claiming that this diminished his responsibility. However, the psychologist's credibility was brought into question because she had only consulted with Johan and hadn't considered any other information or testimony from the trial. In an interesting little side note, the psychologist had also cut her long hair short, as Johan had told Ina to do, Mm-mm. and admitted to be talking with Johan to write his memoirs. Mm-mm. Get away, honey. Yeah. You're going to have to run. Run, not Fast. walk. Away. Uh, You're going to have to ATV away from this motherfucker. Because do you think that prison's going to keep him from destroying your life? No, baby, no. No. Not no, a chance. Go. Not yeah, a gotta chance. Go. Get off of his radar. Get off of all radars. Go. Mm-hmm. So in contrast, the prosecution psychologist testified that he suffered from no mental condition and was fully accountable for his actions, which the court accepted. And Sarah's notes, and I agree that I don't know how he doesn't have any mental conditions. Yeah. Narcissistic personality disorder does seem to fit here, but that doesn't mean he's not responsible for what he did. Like He clearly has lots of issues yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna ask for a recount of the fucking splits in his personality because i Mm -hmm. guarantee you there's more than just one right yeah absolutely well and like the most sadistic person yeah Yeah, narcissism is one thing we've all met narcissists they suck man they're a handful yeah but hard they're not waltzing around just like ruin really really ruining people's lives yeah awful it way. It feels a little bit more than just narcissism. Yeah. So Johan's three accomplices tried to claim that they were acting under duress during Ina's sexual assault and feared for their own lives. But they also agreed with Ina's testimony that the gun was never actually pointed at them. Prosecutors were sure to point out that they could have fled or overpowered Johan at any point during the hours-long attack if they had wanted to. They also showed phone records that proved that Johan had contacted Sithole more than 40 times in the two weeks before the attack, suggesting that the two men were planning these terrible crimes together. Mm. Mm. Johan said that they had been talking about the construction work that Johan wanted Sithole to do, but when asked what renovations they were planning, neither of them could come up with a clear explanation of what they were going to (laughs) do. 40 calls. They don't know. I needed a coffee table. Right? I needed some new drywall. Anything. You didn't think of that. Part of they didn't the, have their to, story. I mean, that's like this comes up over and over and over again. It's like when you've never been held accountable, it would never dawn on you to get a cover story because you've never had to. Right. You know, no, totally. Yeah. No. Yeah. Do you remember when I killed that woman, that grandma? Yeah. In front of like all of the witnesses. And then I just had to walk in and be like, no, I didn't I got actually the story wrong. kill them. And they're like, okay, you know what? Oh, okay. 
Goodbye. Thanks for clearing that up. Have mm-hmm. a good life. Yeah. Sorry, like, no, eleven just... children and like forty-five grandchildren. Yeah. He didn't. It didn't. Didn't, didn't do happen. It. So on July 15th, 2013, Judge Burt Bam. Oh, no, you <laughs> didn't. Bat Botha Judge and Burt Bert Bam. Come on. I uh, know. Found Johannan Sithole guilty as charged with the murder of Conrad. He found all four accused guilty of kidnapping, rape, and assault with the intent to do grievous bodily harm. For their attack on Ina, the judge found Johann's accomplices, quote, as willing participants in the attack. The judge pointed out that what Ina went through was unimaginable. Quote, a person who certainly at one stage Ina loved, was close to and trusted, orchestrated the attack and directed others to rape her. A more terrifying and traumatic experience is hardly thinkable. Hardly thinkable. Ina's psychological and physical trauma, humiliation and its impact on her life can hardly be put into words. A more traumatic experience cannot be imagined, the judge said. Good. Correct. Not to mention that after going through that, then, then the, like the grand finale is that he murders her son in the next room. No, no. While she's laying there in unthinkable pain and trauma and yeah, yes, no. Like, no. The fact that she, I just, what, how? No. How did she survive? I don't, the strength inside of that woman I would just have to like call upon pure rage. It would for me it would just yes. be like pure I would just like live to either watch him get his dues or vigilante him myself. Yes. Like that would be my sole fuel for living at that point. Right. I know. I hope I mean, she's it kinda just, like, is sending. right now. I'm yeah, I know. kind of like, seriously. We're all here just to hear what fucking happened to him and hopefully it's bad enough. Otherwise we're gonna have right. to organize a trip to get to kick in Johan. I seriously, I think she's just like sending him chocolates him. with uh, something in them that just makes him Laxative. really itchy. Yeah, like has to poop Ooh, all the time. Itchy was very itchy. Like something that just is constantly annoying and painful and problematic every day for the rest of his life. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Kicks. Kicks from yeah. kicks. listeners. <laughs> Come on, listeners. Let's get to kicking. Right? Let's get You got a job kicks, to kicks. do. God. The judge then, I know. The judge then sentenced Johan and Sithole to two life sentences, each for the murder of Conrad and the rape of Ina, while Franz and Pita were given one life sentence, each for the rape of Ina. Goodbye. Right? I can't imagine that prison in South Africa is a fucking cakewalk either. Oh my either. God. Are you kidding me? I don't know, but I would And I don't, yeah, God, it's so weird that this like sort of part of me comes out, but you know, cause I'm like, oh, I believe in rehabilitation and I believe in fucking people getting better. And then I hear shit like this and I'm like, no, let's lock them up. Let's kick them. Yeah. Just like line up and fucking kick them forever because well, it's, ah, they're still human beings. What is wrong with me? It's so no, hard. It's, it's so hard. And then we also, as we lay out all of this information, it's really hard to see that. You know, like he is just like the worst. 
Yeah. The worst. So Yoen was given a further 25 years and the three other men were given a further eight years each for the kidnapping and assault with the intent to do grievous bodily harm. In his sentencing, Judge Burt Bam noted yes. that none of the men expressed remorse. Quote, Sithole's wife screamed as the sentence was translated to her. The women held her hand in front of her mouth like a gag, an eerie echo of how Ina was gagged 18 months before in a bedroom in Modemol. Chills. So in South Africa, those given a life sentence are eligible for parole after serving half of their sentence, which they consider about 25 years with right. a life sentence. So in Johan's case, he will be able to apply for parole in 2041 when he is 80 years old. Mm. All four accused tried to appeal their convictions, but all appeals were denied. Good. God. Good yeah. God. Good God. So after the trial, Ina told reporters, quote, he deserves what he got today with this judgment. For me, it was worth it to go through the trial. For my child, I sat there and answered all of those humiliating questions. Over a period of 18 months, I was hit with accusations. I just held on to my faith and I stood by my evidence and said, me and God know what happened that day mm -hmm. and nothing will take away from the evidence that I gave. I stood by it. Johan is serving his life sentence, and I'm going to butcher this, but the, the I, I assume I'm going to butcher it, but the Zonder Water Maximum Security Prison, and that is how it's spelled, Z-O-N-D-E-R, water. Yeah, sounds... Zonder Water. <laughs> sounds cool. Yep. Zonder Water means a place without water. Mm, man, and wow. I that know. is tough. Is this I the same case with know. the God snack mountain? Yes. The God eating one. Yes. Yes. God yep. consumes or whatever. A place without uh -huh. water. That is tough as fuck. Like that uh -huh. says it all. That says uh -huh. it all. I agree. Fuck. Like, do you want to be at the waterless prison? No. Right? That is so scary. No. I picture like in a cartoon or something like they're on this huge island but it's in the land like an island on land <laughs> just this like pillar of land go no. way up high in the sky and the prison just sits on top of it is what i picture well and also water is life so they are just saying something mm -hmm. right there they're like exactly goodbye yeah. goodbye and if it if a it wasn't only already water. like more like terrifying enough yeah. the prison was built on the ruins of zonder water concentration camp which was the biggest detention camp built by the allies during world war ii mm-hmm it was used to house over 100,000 Italian prisoners of war in the 1940s. God. So Ina wrote a book about her survival called A Story of Grace and Healing. When asked about the book, she said, quote, I made the wrong choice by marrying that man, but my book brings the message that there's always a better tomorrow. Ina visits Conrad's gravesite in Bella Bella frequently, both with her family and whenever she is in the area. Quote, when her family are with her, she makes sure that Conrad's grave is perfectly maintained and decorated with fresh flowers. Mm. If she's on her own, she talks to him. Quote, I tell him that I miss him so, so much that I wish I could see what he would look like now. Mm. Ina said, quote, during the attack, Yoan kept saying to me that when he finished with a woman, she either kills herself or she ends up in an institution. And it was then that I made my choice. I wouldn't end up in an institution. I'm also not going to put my own blood on my own hands. Good. My choice. Yes. I know. I know. I know. That I can't imagine how hard that would be and good for her. Yeah. What happened to her son, what happened to her was not 
her fault. No choice you ever make in life brings you to that ending. He chose that. Yep. 100%. My choice was to stand up and to look the world in the eye, even if it isn't always easy. Ina's message to others is this, quote, you have to ask yourself what you expect from a relationship. I expected love, respect, and honesty. You can't allow your identity to be taken from you. Don't be trapped in a relationship that you don't want to be in. Ina did later find love again with a man named, I don't know if it's Rian or Ryan Grobler, but he tragically died of COVID in September of 2021. This story needs a rewrite. (laughs) Please. Listen, is anybody listening from a different timeline? Can you tell us how it ends on your timeline? I need to know the good story because this story is the fucked story. I know, I know. And that, you guys, is it. That's all I've got. I'm so sorry. You need I'm to watch so your sorry. mouth. Listen, Sarah. Listen, Sadie. You guys, I'm going to need you to fucking... Oh, God. I, know. I don't, I think I rearranged the story a little bit. I don't think Sarah left it off with the COVID death, but I just couldn't figure out. You can't really make some no. stories happy, you know? No, but I do believe that if there was ever anybody in the history of the world that would figure out how to come back from yet another terrible tragedy, it would be Ina. Can we please if you ever get in touch with Ina and see if she wants to go to the giraffe Airbnb? I know. If that would make her feel better, and we could go fund me. Oh my god, the giraffe Airbnb experience. She'd or anything. Be like, like, what um, would she want? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, I, she'd probably be like, giraffes, they stink. No. Exactly. She's like, do you know how many I giraffes wanna... I've like shoot off my porch just this afternoon? I don't want to go to your stupid, I don't know, there's stink heads <laughs> coming through the window and eating my muesli. Thank you very much, you weird Americans. That's disgusting. <laughs> I know. The image of shooing giraffes off porches <laughs> is really funny. <laughs> shoo, shoo, get out South of here. Get out of here. And you. Africans. How much of a giraffe? problem are giraffes? <laughs> Let's be honest. Right. <laughs> it's like uh, I uh, hedgehogs are very they're adorable pets in the United States. They're fucking vermin in other countries. I learned <laughs> right. as I was like holding one once I found it in a garden. I was like, oh, my God. They're like, ew, gr- no, like swatting it. Um, You're going to get scabies. <laughs> I don't know what hedgehogs. <laughs> but also my friend was here from London and we were shooting a film and we were out in this beautiful nature area. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, Ben, come quick, quick. There's a fox. And he's like, yeah. Oh, God. We have 29 gazillion, 450 gabillion foxes in London, which I'd forgotten. But right. I'm like, they're so enchanting. And he's like, uh-huh. yeah, that's a thing. I see that like. 5,000 times. Like, fuck, man. <laughs> cool. Get out of here. I'm going to have this memory by myself. You're like, hmm, have you ever, oh, I'm going to have you give, give you a new experience. Here's a cup of tea. <laughs> You're exactly right. Exactly. He was so sweet about it. It wasn't a tip. No. I was like, ah, chanting. You're going to freak out. Oh my God, this never happens. He's like, oh. it happens all the time. Literally mm-hmm. like 400 times a day. We, we invented foxes. So yeah, giraffes. Is it? Are they a problem? <laughs> Are they a problem? The vermin of South Africa. The giraffe. <laughs> the giraffe. Oh, boy. But yeah, no. Well, whatever she needs. God, Ina, if you're listening. Seriously, Ina, please. Please. Can, can we go fund her something that she really Anything, wants? Honest Anything. Honest to God. 
I don't even need do you to want go to come find it. I'll just straight up find see some it. foxes in Indiana. In we Michigan can make City, that happen. Indiana. Yes, maybe, maybe, probably you, not. It doesn't happen. But <laughs> if you want to meet us in London, apparently it's you get so many foxes. Fox yeah. brains will fall out, right? Yeah, we oh. do have uh, access to adorable pugs. Um, I and most adorable pugs. Funny children. So if yes. you would like to come, we will host you. Whatever in Indiana, whatever you I know. Want. Yeah, whatever you want. Honest we do not God. have ver- those those dirty, dirty giraffes. Disgusting yeah. giraffes. <laughs> Get on your porch. But I don't want your eucalyptus or whatever. <laughs> eucalyptus. <laughs> like what do they eat? That's panda. Or that's uh, koalas. Yeah, I think it might be. Who are kind of vermin, right? Koalas are just like the dumbest, weirdest. It's throwing yeah, up and eating it back. But they're just yeah. like stupid and just, mean. Yeah, yeah. Just so strange. They're like, fall out of trees sometimes. I don't know. Yeah. I saw some video recently that was like, why did God make the the most uh, friend looking animals the meanest? And it's so true. It's mm-hmm. like, if you're, if it's adorable, if it looks like a friend, it's going to fucking rip your face off mm-hmm. or like throw up and eat its own throw up back or like have not right. evolved beyond just eating eucalyptus, which is actually burning poison for it, which is hilarious. Right. Yes. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, look at raccoons. You think, oh my God, they're so cute. Oh, <gasps> they're they're so you know, cute. their little hands, and then they're like, I'm going to kill you. Uh, I think I've yeah. told this story about getting so excited. There was a baby raccoon in our trash, and I'm like, Laura, Laura, come, come, come. And I'm like, I got to help it out. And I got a pool noodle, and I was slowly lowering the pool noodle <laughs> into so he could climb out. Yeah. Like this little ladder. And I've never, I don't think I've ever jumped so hard in my life. Like I got it just kind of near the uh-huh. little baby raccoon. And like it just, <laughs> they're so ape scary. shit. They are the worst so animals. I really don't like raccoons. Actively do uh-huh. not like raccoons. They're so cute. They're so cute. I know mom was recently, our mother was telling me that they've been trapped. They have a life trap. Yeah. Trapping raccoons because they fuck things up. Oh boy. It's a, a jet. jet. Don't worry about it. They have a family and they keep trapping the babies and they're so cute. They're so cute. Until they destroy your eyeballs with their claws. Yeah, I did get to have yeah. that one raccoon once that baby raccoon that got stuck in the fence and I went and got it and oh remember that I one and I that. like yeah. put it in the cage. Thank God I wore gloves and stuff the whole time, but he was not mm-hmm. well. And then I figured out he had a very bad wound and I yeah. brought him in and they're like uh, you need to go home immediately and disinfect anything he was near because we're pretty sure he has distemper. So don't pick up the baby raccoons. Don't bring them. Luckily, I kept the dogs away, everything. Right. And the dogs have their shots. But also distemper isn't a, uh, it's not foolproof vaccine, I've, I learned. So yeah, yeah. your instinct will be to like cradle it, it in your t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways, anyway, it's not about that's the, the vermin at part of our series here. <laughs> All of our favorite vermin that are not vermin or are, are also doesn't, this has nothing to do with anything. It has no. to do with Ina and her fucking healing and her strength yes. and her perseverance. And Ina, if there's anything in this world you need that we can provide, we will do it. You yes, badass angel. Yes. God. Yeah. So there you go. Um, that is all. Goodbye. That is enough. I can't. And that is the end of us telling these like most horrendous, horrendous, oh, heinous stories for right? now. They, I'm sure the day will come again, but 
Man, we just yeah, stacked I feel that like up. we've really been pushing the limits. We really have. Lately. So let's, yeah. I don't know, I'll find like a story about, like maybe we should just start doing like money crimes for a while. Oh my God. <laughs> Something just boring. Yeah, this like, rich guy about, stole more money. <laughs> my least favorite subject I know, in the world. right? No, I would rather go to sleep. Anyway, um, what, are we doing anything now? Are we going to do... How are you feeling? What are we going to do? Yes, Shout, let's do some name shouties. times. Let's definitely do some name times. I have a enormous, ginormous, benormous list of names because oh my Sadie and I preloaded last week so she could go to Boston. Okay. Should we break the list in two? Yes, or for sure. That? Absolutely. Okay. Yes, absolutely. There's no way we can get all these in one shot. Where to even begin? How about with Larry and Eric Eagleburger? Yes, I like Eagleburger. Speedy Roads. Get it? Like Speedy Speedy Roads. <laughs> That's someone's name. Speedy Roads. Great great grandmother's last name was Darling. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Someone, there's a therapist at the office they go to named Destin Cash Money. Whoa. Uh, yes. Hello. Somebody who was watching jail TV and there was Elizabeth Wyatt Earp. Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> God. Jail TV. Uh, jail TV. And the parents were like, oh, we're going to have a daughter. We're going to name her Elizabeth Wyatt Earp and she's going to get a job on jail TV eventually. We grew up with a, a guy named John Denver Young, and his parents did not name him after John Denver. It was a family name. <laughs> I forgot wow. about that until just now. Yeah. I didn't know that was his middle name. Yep. I wonder about him a lot. Like, where is he? <laughs> he was special. Re Reverend T.C. Butts. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Flick and Warren Warren. Um, our darling Clint, oh, no. our best friend and brother, Clint, has been sitting on this name for some time now. Tomahawk Hatchet. Oh. Who goes by God. Tommy Hatchet. Tomahawk, <laughs> Tomahawk Hatchet. Hatchet. He's from the South. You all know Clearly. I love a Southern name. How much I love a Southern name. Denzel Dumfries. What? Yes. Dr. Wet Farts, for real. Oh, no. Yes. I need proof. It's a, they, they send a photo. Gay neighbors. That's me. <laughs> I do have several gay neighbors. I live in the like random, oh. very gay neighborhood. So that was named after my neighborhood. <laughs> right? That person was named after my neighborhood. Someone was at a son's baseball game playing a team from Canada they have a first baseman named Midnight Toker. What? Yeah. Shut your, shut your pot-smoking mouth. Oh, my God. I love Steve Miller Band. Love Steve Miller Band. Who doesn't? Who's one of Sadie the and I used art? to choreograph dances to that song, as it turns out. Yes. Well, it was also one of the few things that our father would couldn't help himself but sing along to. Like he, who, nobody he wasn't can. A, no, I remember I'm like in the pickup truck thing. Yes. Midnight Toker. Yeah. I will also say that the first time I met my friend Jordan Firstman, who is now like a fucking super fancy guy. He's a modern <laughs> actor. And show. He's like, I texted him. No, his official, his official title is super, super fancy, fancy guy. guy. 
I texted him last week, and uh, he's not responded. Jordan, Ugh, he doesn't, he doesn't listen he's to the too podcast. Fancy. Well, there was a, like in fucking. I literally was in like the south of France on a yacht with Charlie XCX. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, he's too busy to get back to me. Anyway, first time I met him, we were in New Orleans, and that song came on. He's like, what is this? He was like 23 at the time. He's like, it's like it's like living in LA. Like I'm a model. I'm a massage therapist. I'm a waiter and an esthetician. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Cancer doctor, doctor, doctor death, but it rhymes with teeth. So doctor deeth, but it's spelled doctor death. <laughs> um, a male gynecologist named doctor nurse. <laughs> what? <laughs> I feel like we just jumped timelines from the horrible timeline and now we're on a good timeline right. where there's a male gynecologist named Dr. Nurse. Oh my God. Okay. God, speaking of people who found their calling and do the job they were born to do, Forrest Tower was an information officer with the BC Wildfire Services. Forrest Tower. No, he wasn't. Yes. I don't believe you. I think you're just a big liar. <laughs> I think I just made it up. It's like, you know, be, that is a, such an elaborate lie too. <laughs> you just, Forrest with all Tower. of your free time. <laughs> what would Forrest like Tower do? Names. You know, I think you'd be an information officer with the BC Wildlife Services. <laughs> I love this idea. Like you're busier than you've ever been in your whole life. And that's what you do with your free time. And that's the name I would come up with, Forrest Tower. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Um, oh God, strapping for this one. Yeah, I mean, you guys, this is, whew, this list is incredible. Uh, <laughs> a woman who worked at my college, a listener's college, was named Delberta Batman. No. Yes. Uh, As, and we all Batman? Know Batman. I'm assuming that Delberta was oh, related man. to the the dickhead who founded like Montreal or whatever. <laughs> Mush them all together. Remember, there's like a Batman that was the founder of. uh, Oh, I forgot about that. Yes. And I think he was kind of also a dickhead. If I remember correctly, maybe he wasn't. I don't want to like totally disparage the good name of (laughs) Dr. uh, Mr. Batman. Dr. Mr. (laughs) Batman Nurse, but um, I think he was a jerk. Shelly Longbottom. Uh Um, Mm -hmm. Robin Mm -hmm. Bungay. No. Natalie. Lee. Those all came from the same listener. <laughs> Natalie Lee. Natalie Lee. <laughs> we love you, Natalie Lee. Southern Georgia with Lacoochee River and State Park. With Lacoochee. With Lacoochee. Not with Lacucci. separate from, but together. Yep. Better. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Our, oh my God. Arc, okay. Archipel- Archipelago. Archie Pelagio. Remember when mm-hmm. I couldn't remember the name of, I still don't know what it's, Archipelagio, um, what's it called? Ar- help, Ar- help Ar- Leslie. Ar- help Ar- me, Ar- Leslie. She's the one that came up, like, knew what it was. When I was like, what's it like a, a body of, it's like a body, a mass? Jesus God, I can't even say that. It's like right? an island, no. but not Archipelagio. Archipelagio, yes. Anyway, there's somebody named Archipelago. Maybe in Pelagio. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Leslie, I just butchered it again. Y'all get it. It's an island, but it's God, you guys, God. She wants to stop listening, but can because she knows we need her. (laughs) (laughs) But we never use her. 
<laughs> right, you're like, you well, she told me. us, but now we can't remember. So yes, you mm. can ask me medical terms. Leslie's a doctor. You can ask me medical terms. No, never going to no, happen. Never you can ask happen. me about land masses. I will help you. I will guide you. Absolutely not, Leslie. No, we would. I mean, maybe, but not today. No, nope. not today. <laughs> Tammy Joe, money. Yes. <laughs> Debbie Duck, Julie Snowball, Julie Duckling. Franklin what? Stein. Franklin. Oh my God. Stein. Franklin Stein, you guys. What is happening to the world? Dick Fortune. Mrs. Oh. T. Wishy. No. <laughs> no. There's a podcaster named Bobby Teets. <laughs> what is this podcast? <laughs> I don't know. Dr. Know. Hal Bendit. <laughs> landscaping company called the sod father no there's a true crime story about davina buff jones from bald head island oh my god i think that's got to be it that's uh, the end i gotta save wow. the rest for next week wow holy franklin cow, stein Franklin Stein. Franklin Stein. <laughs> oh my it's, God, baby dolls. I really, oh my God. I'm going to go back and rename my children. The end. Yeah. What are you going to name them? Franklin Delbert Stein. Batman? Delbert of Batman? Yes. Um, Forest Tower. <laughs> <laughs> your job going to be? <laughs> not up to them anymore <laughs> what was it fire I can't even remember the one that I made up myself forest tower information forest officer tower. with the BC wildfire service <laughs> <laughs> male gynecologist uh, doctor nurse oh my god you guys oh my god this oh, was holy fun. shit! It is. This is a long one. So let's wrap it up yeah. because we have to record another one. It's also the Fourth of July, and I really need to go and celebrate our nation's God. Um, desperately, desperately. Um, but if you want to spend more time with us, you can go to our Patreon and give us top five dollars a month minimum and get a whole other set of <laughs> episodes, a whole ass so other many. set. Um, pushing what? I don't like 150 ish more yeah. than that. Like right around 150. Yeah. So many, so many full ass, whole ass episodes. You can also go to Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, or Facebook at they will kill. You can email us at they will kill podcast at gmail.com. And nope. uh, you can go to our website. They will kill.com. You can rate review subscribe tell your friends you know do all those things shout it from the rooftops like we talked about before yep. scream 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 it's <laughs> just scream period please and before we thank aj bergans i'm gonna do a quick uh side and thank his mother terry for being a listener to her mm -hmm. podcast hi um, terry hey terry thank you so much i'm i apologize for my foul language sometimes because your mom and thank you for listening. Thank you for giving birth to AJ. And then he gave me the most amazing niece and nephew that I could ever Those want. Kids are so oh, cute. 
Oh my God. Angels. I just can't even, you guys. I don't, I need to be here and there at the same time. I'm going to sue their eyes out of their heads because they have the most beautiful eyes Terry you've ever seen in your life. Just these for allowing, giant yes. baby deer butterfly eyes. And I'm going Dudes. to emancipate them from their faces because they are going to cause problems in the world, many disruptions <laughs> with their cuteness and their eyeballs. So somebody's got to intervene and subpoena them and depose right? those eyeballs. I know, I know. I just spent like four days with them and every time the little ones, they're almost three, would look up at me, hi, Sadie. I'd be like, Mm-mm. I am going to die. Sued. Die. Sued. I'm suing you because you killed me. Sued. <laughs> Anyway, thanks, Terry, for listening. We are happy you're here. We are so happy you're here, and we love you. And thanks, AJ, for your music. Thank you for your music. We almost love it as much as the children you produced. Yep. (laughs) Uh, And remember... Um, I saw a TikTok. I haven't read this book, so I'm going to recommend something that I haven't read. Tell me if this is a problem. I don't think it is, because I've heard a lot of people talk about this book, but... I was talking last time about how if you feel your creativity, if you are an artist who doesn't know what your art is yet, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I have been, and now I can, like I will say proceed with caution because once you start to figure it out, it comes in an avalanche that grows and grows exponentially, and then you will find yourself like with not enough time, literally. But saw a TikTok last night as I was going to sleep that was like the artist's way get the book. I think it's like a workbook. You, you know, like gives you things to do. I don't know. I actually don't know. I'm going to look it up right now. Yeah. So if it's an MLM and I'm just like promoting an MLM, which I don't think it is. I've heard a lot of people talk about the artist way in positive ways. People I trust (laughs) uh, who don't seem like they're in cults or MLMs, but they were like, run, don't walk, get this book, learn about your Creativity, because I know that feeling. I know how frustrating. And I was saying last week, just go do it. Just get your mojo pumping. Do anything. Fucking learn how to crochet, which is actually where I started. I crocheted. I cooked. I pickled fucking vegetables. Right. Which is really fun. Do anything. Just do stuff until you get there, because you will get there eventually. But this book popped up, and I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell the people about it. If you need something that's like focused and concentrated and that people find highly effective. Also, the Stephen King book on writing. I mean, I don't think mm-hmm. you need to be a writer necessarily to benefit from that book. I have it sitting on my shelf in my office. It's a phenomenal book. It's really good at talking about being a creative person and making you feel less alone. So Get out there, babes. I know if you're listening that you have it in you because you are our people and you can't listen to this podcast unless there's something seriously wrong with you. And that thing is creativity. So tap into it, exercise it. I had a breakthrough once. I have multiple, 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 multiple breakthroughs with my therapist. I mean, that's a thing. Mm -hmm. But one of the breakthroughs I had was at one point she was talking about the way my brain worked and blah, blah, blah. And she described my brain. She said, when you have a creative brain, well, I don't know what the rest of the sentence was. Don't remember. (laughs) That was the perfect (laughs) illustration of what she said in that moment. I guarantee it. The the point wasn't so much what she was saying after that is that I had never been described in that way. Yeah. And it took me back. Yeah. And I stopped her and I was like, I don't think I have a very creative brain. And she just looked at me yeah. like, don't be stupid. Yeah. And she started listing the things that I do that are creative. 
And I was like, oh my God, I never thought of it that way. And once I started to think of myself as a creative person, somebody who likes to create things. Yes. I was like, holy shit. I started to look at everything differently. Yeah. And she was like, you know, you and your sister did create a whole ass podcast, right? Like without any experience before that. And like has have built it to be something. And I was like, oh yeah, you're right. And she was like, and you've created this and that and that. And I was like, oh, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. But it really does help, you know, consider, like I always thought to be creative, you had to be born that way or a, well, and born that yeah, way, or like, it's a misnomer. Mm-hmm. It's not true. You're not an artist if you're born able to produce art. Right. That's just lucky. It, mm-hmm. You can learn, you can figure yes. it out. It takes, yes. but it, you really have to like pursue that feeling. You have to pursue that yeah. thing that's inside of you. Absolutely. And be willing to own it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyway, just an interesting, like when you don't feel creative or you don't feel like you're an artist, but you do creative artistic things. <laughs> yeah. Um, it looks different for everybody. It does. Feeling it's okay to go for it. So, so get your ass out there and do, do it, it or don't. But if you want do. to, do. do. It'll work. I promise you it will work. I promise. Yep. And we love you. We and love you very much. You. Thank you for being here. And we'll see you real soon. See you then. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.